Hello all and welcome to the 81st edition of On The Ball, the Norwich podcast that would also occasionally like to dress up as a steward. Uh, I'm Michael Bailey, I cover the Canaries for The Athletic. I hope it finds you very safe and well uh, on the way. Not much good about it, son. Uh, Norman for Norfolk and along come Burnley. We'll work through all that and more with our guests this fine September evening. Who are Norwich number one chief at NCFC Numbers, also known as our very own Steve Sanders? Evening, Michael. Good evening, Steve. And on the board debutants this fine Monday evening, Norwich City fans, regulars, home and away, and one-time podcasters themselves, it is Rob Fletcher. Hello. And Elliot Lake. Way on the ball city, come on! <laughs> I think Elliot's, Elliot's won that one for enthusiasm. So well done, well done, Elliot. Uh, thanks for joining us, everyone out there, and thanks for you guys for joining us on the pod. Um, let's do some introductions then, uh, Steve. Um, good evening to you. Thanks for letting me back on hosting duties. That's all right. I thought. I mean, it's your channel, and it's kind of your podcast. So I thought, you know, I didn't want to stage some sort of coup. And also, you, you're kind of you're quite good at it, really. Oh, um, bless you. I'm not. I'm, I'm now thinking that um, my supporting role. I'm not giving enough enthusiasm. Elliot's Elliot's just raised the bar for every week coming up. So. Raise Steve. Come on, let's do it. <laughs> I love this guy. This is brilliant. After a fairly morose couple of podcasts, we are we oh, are I'm in for a treat. <laughs> um Elliot's wearing the new home shirt, which is which is lovely to see as well. So JD are getting some good sponsorship out of the video feed here, which is which is cracking. Um uh, Rob, welcome to the pod. Good evening to you. Um, how are you? I'm I'm very well, thanks, and all things aside from Norwich City Football Club, it feels like at the moment. Um <laughs> it's a bit it's a bit depressing. Um no, I'm doing very very well, thanks. Thanks for the uh the invite to come on here. Any opportunity to speak about Norwich is going to be taken with open arms um, fantastic well I, I mean we brought you and Elliot on as a, as a double act we, we might split you up going forwards but you know it depends I mean I can already sense a bit of you know a bit of bouncing off the two of you so it might work quite well but I mean, I mean you guys Rob you both you both had a podcast Do you want to mention that a bit back in the day yeah so it was so Elliot studied journalism at uni and uh started up a football podcast on the side um, just to sort of go along with that and when I lived with him in his final year uh, I got roped into a few episodes so there's some pretty dodgy videos on YouTube of our end of season awards that we gave out I said dodgy, dodgy the- haircut as well he had a bit of a dodgy haircut with my haircut yeah um, <laughs> the insights and, and sort of comments were were pretty pretty on on the ball but um, the haircut was <laughs> Your haircut was terrible. So yeah. it's a great. It was a great pair of curtains. Um, it, Rob made yeah. the mistake of, of sharing the link with me, so I, I quite enjoyed catching up on that. And it was a, it was a general podcast as well, isn't it? But you are both um, both Norwich fans. So I mean, Rob, could you? How would you distill your Norwich City career as a supporter in about ten to fifteen seconds? Um, happy then sad. Uh, about twelve month intervals. Yeah, exactly <laughs> that. Have you got? Have you got a best player? Best player? Um, Buendia, though I've seen. Oh, oh is yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Buendia. Oh, that's too soon. <laughs> that's too no. soon. <sighs> well, we, 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 I doubt we'll mention him tonight. Um, Elliot, welcome. Um, welcome to the podcast. Um, Thanks, do you want to? Do you want to give us a, a distilling of your own Norwich City career in, in um, ten seconds? I just I love I love I love carrying the Norwich flag around me wherever I go. Um, I've been I've lived in Bristol, London, and I'll wear my Norwich shirt proudly wherever I go. Um, I don't care how we do. I know we're doing terribly at the minute, but you you just got you just got to wear the badge with pride and just and get and give everyone a bit of banter and say how good Norwich are. You know, we're a great club. We are. Well, it's it's. it's... Yeah, the pride is a is a really good subject that we'll probably talk about at some point because um there's a, there's probably twenty thousand embarrassed people at Cow Road at the moment. So let's turn the tables. Let's start this weekend. Let's give it let's give it all the punch. Uh, I tell you what, let's um, crack on, shall we, with the uh, with the podcast and the debate, shall we, and get it started with this week's headline act.
I remember that, Steve. That was the really loud one. <laughs> I better turn that sting down for next week. Um, it was a Saturday for going round in circles, people saying nice things with some lovely moments. And that was just me at my wedding, or not my wedding, a wedding, um, riding on an antique carousel, by the way. Absolutely lovely. Bressingham Steam Museum. What a weekend it was. Um, first Norwich City match I've missed since Chelsea away in, uh, in June 2020, which kind of made it a slightly strange experience for me um, as I kind of watched the game back through the sort of goal highlights. And then the slightly bigger package of highlights and then the proper like hour long thing that I almost fell asleep to last night. But um, I feel like I've caught up with the game. I feel like I can probably understand what it would have been like to go through. And I probably do have a new appreciation for the fact that it is easier watching a game once you know the result, most definitely. And you can be far more analytical about it. But um, when you reflect on it, Steve, when you reflect on Saturday, what do you how do you view it? Uh, well, I found a way of watching it at the same time as the Ryder Cup. So it's kind of two lots of misery on two different screens. But to be honest, I mean, the, the lads have started the, the podcast off in a fairly positive way. So I feel like let's try and drag some positives out of Saturday. Um, yes. I think, I think the system worked. I think th three at the back could be an answer, possibly. I'm not saying it's going gonna, it's gonna to get us wins, but I did feel like we felt more solid. I don't know if that was because of the opposition we were up against. Um, and it was only, it was it was a penalty decision, a slightly debatable penalty decision, which kind of, I suppose, knocked us back. Um, and I, I mean, I thought, I thought Norman looked the part as well, more so than he did against Watford, in my opinion. I don't know if he's that, that screening midfielder that we need, but he does look to have some quality about him. Um, I, that's pretty much all I've got. But, um, but I, I certainly think that, Going forward, and and I think you know, obviously we'll talk about the Burnley game a little bit later as well. But I, that there's a there's a clear blueprint for how we need to play for that game. And my God, do we need a blueprint? And do we need to do well in that game? Because that now is starting to feel massive. Um, we didn't really carry much of a goal threat, but I, I always felt after the Watford game there was so much that needed fixing that the first thing we needed to do was at least make ourselves look a bit more solid. And hey, we conceded two goals, but I did feel there was a slight improvement there. We look more solid. Um, yeah, there is a, a piece on the int attacking intent, which might be worth a, a reading on The Athletic uh, in the morning, which is Tuesday morning. So you may you may um, may already be at that point in your in your life. So uh, have a look over at The Athletic. Um, not that I'm you know wanting to list off the issues Norwich have, having written about the defence last week and now going, oh, yeah, now you've got to actually score some goals as well. But um, I mean, when you when you looked at it, Rob, um, uh, it felt probably like a, a familiar set of, of failings, but the, the goals were curious, weren't they? I mean, Everton didn't attack, uh, didn't create huge amounts. Uh, Simon Hughes went in my place on on Saturday, did a cracking job, and wrote a nice piece as well for the Athletic. And I think he he tweeted the fact that Everton were there for the taking, which is p potentially one of the difficult bits in terms of the context of how well Norwich played, because it looked to me like that was as well as Norwich have kind of done probably this season in terms of an overall performance but the goals I don't know how did you view them certainly the second one felt pretty annoying the yeah the second one was annoying and I think on the penalty we are still finding like the system with what works best so Steve said three at the back as a system tends to work well but that just means that we have less room for um some errors um which Kabak made it was a silly challenge there was no need for it. And it's not encouraging um, for the rest of the season if we are still trying to find our feet and how we're going to play. We need to do whatever we're playing. We need to do it perfectly and not give away cheap fouls like that. Um, so that was that was frustrating because I think Steve was right. It did feel slightly more solid. Um, I think when you look at the players that we're playing against, I've, I've really liked Decore as a player. Um, Alan's really good as well and obviously Benitez is the manager so you know we were up against some quality and we did play well we were fairly solid in the midfield generally at the defense in defense at I, I would say at the expense of all our attacking threat uh, but there, there, <laughs> were, there were positives um, so yeah I, I and I agree I thought Norman did look um, a tidy player um, I'd like to see him 
in a game where we're controlling it and see how effective he can be. I think um, I thought uh, Ozan was a little bit unlucky with the penalty, Elliot. I, there's a bit. Maybe I'll come on to this later. Actually, I won't talk about the penalty directly yet. But I thought Ozan was a little bit unlucky with the with the penalty. Maybe he was slightly lucky not to be sent off. I don't know because he could have possibly got a second yellow. But as Rob says, him and him and Norman. I think you put them into that side and you you see players who are, are probably at a higher level, I suppose, than we've got. And it feels like that that they can do that. It's just a question whether the other players come up to that level or whether the lack of confidence brings Matthias and, and Ozan sort of down to, to everyone else. So I don't know how you viewed it. Yeah, I think my, my issue with Kabak and Norman and some of the other players is I'm not sure if you can fit four or five lone players into one team. I think I think the personnel, it can be difficult to get those, especially if it starts going against us. Say if we lose the next two or three games, are those lone players really, you know, they at the end of the season, they're going to be able to go back wherever they are. Whereas if we've got the players who are going to come down to, if, no, they don't want to say we're going down, but um, <laughs> if, we, if, if, if those players are going to be with us, so are they going to want it more? Um, I actually thought it was a penalty with Kabak. Um I thought it was quite a clumsy challenge. Um, I think he could have maybe stood off a little bit more. Um, but uh, the thing I would love to see, I'd, I can't, I can't see how Gilmore's not in the team. I really want Gilmore in there. Um, I, I, I get what you're saying about Norman. Um, I understand. And me, when me and Dobby spoke on Rob spoke on Saturday, um, he, it, we, we thought he looked quite good in advanced positions. But I think in terms of a, of a deep line playmaker, someone who can really get on the ball. And keep possession, control the game. I don't think we're going to get better than Gilmore. I think he's got to be in there. I agree. That's an interesting. I, oh, sorry, go on, Steve. Go on. No, I, would, go. I mean, I, I think Gilmore plays. I thought, or certainly should. Um, where the recruitment has failed, I think. Um, and I've said this before on this podcast. We'll probably say it again. Is that Norman does look a good player, and Gilmore does look a good player. Are they what we really need in those positions? I.e., somebody who can cover a lot of ground, win tackles, sniff out danger. Basically, I'm going to say the name again, Ollie Skip. We haven't we haven't replaced him. We've got a lot of midfielders in, but none of them will do the job that Ollie Skip does. And I, I think that we've brought in a lot of midfielders, but maybe not the right ones. And I'm not saying they're not good players because they are, but Billy Gilmore would have been fantastic for us in the championship last year. I don't know if he's what we need in a in a relegation battle, and possibly the same for Norman and Lays Malou. Sorry, Michael. <laughs> oh no! I, I think Billy Gilmore would be brilliant. It's just Norwich probably needed uh, to sign Jorginho next to him, or, yeah, well, yeah. or you know maybe a few other players around him. Uh, that's a really difficult one. I, th- there did seem, and this is part, you know, spoiler alert, partly what I've written today, but there there did seem a lack of genuine supply line to Norwich's forwards. Um, which I guess if you did manage to get Billy Gilmore even into that three alongside Norman, he would probably be able to supply maybe more going forwards. You're kind of relying on Sergeant and Pookie to play as a partnership, and I think they pass the ball to each other once over the course of the 90 minutes. So, yeah, um, but you know, it's also the first time they played in a partnership, so maybe that maybe that's to, to, to be expected to a degree. But this is the issue, you know. Daniel Farker is trying to work out the issues um, over a course of of games. Where in the Championship, I got the impression he could work on it for sort of five or six games, and it didn't matter if it wasn't working because Norwich would pick up results anyway. Whereas here he's kind of having to do it against a um, more of a clock and a stopwatch. Well, while we're talking tactics, Michael, and I don't know, uh, Rob and Elliot might have a, a take on this as well. Um, I, because I personally thought we would play quite well at the start of the second half, arguably the best we've played all season for that 20-minute spell. Uh, Norman then got that injury um, and Farker decided to shake it up and and go with four at the back and bring on, I think it was, was it Rashica and Zolis for Norman was, yeah. and Kabak? Um, and suddenly we're we're back to I'm not actually sure what we were playing at that point. Maybe it was four two three one with with Sergeant going out wide, um, and we then concede maybe less than five minutes after that change was made. And I have to say, I mean, I understand going out and chasing the game and making more attacking changes, but I think maybe you could bring on Zolis or Ashita for Williams at left wing back, something like that. I don't really understand why he changed the tactics and the way that he did, because that then left us exposed. Kenny gives the ball away. Lays Malou goes in for a, a challenge that he probably shouldn't, as in, you know, commits himself. Our two midfielders are out of the game. We've only got two midfielders on at this point, and they're, they're in on goal. 
I, I just feel like he, he moved too early and he shouldn't have gone back to four at the back. I, I, I don't know if I'm the only one to think that, but I thought that tactically started with it right and then changed and got it wrong at the wrong time. Go on, Elliot. I, I think my, my I, I didn't I didn't mind him changing it there. I I think my issue with the five at the back is is Williams playing on the left hand side when you've got five at the back and I think you need the wit you need a left foot player out there. You need the wit that that wing that sets like Chelsea Marcus Alonso. He gets so involved far up the like high up the pitch, but he's a he's a left footer. He can go either way. I'm just not sure that Williams brings that. And by going back to a back four and getting the wide players on. It means that it just stretches the game a little, little bit more, makes it a bit wider. Great point. Um, well, I tell you what, as we um, as we approach the end of the, uh, this first half, I think we'll we'll wrap up the Everton game mostly there. Although we're, we're going to come on back onto some of the themes, I'm sure. Uh, let's uh, let's try and maintain our concentration levels as we uh, enter into uh, our feature, which is now becoming lovingly known as "Pick That One Out." <laughs> love that piece of music. Uh, now, this is where the podders each get uh, a window to bring up an issue they're struggling to let go. That can be a passionately held love affair or a proper rant. Happy with either. Um, if they lose themselves for more than 30 seconds, which is the idea, none of this 10 second stuff we had last week, by the way, um, then the buzzer will sound and the buzzer sounds like this. Like this. Like this. Like this. <laughs> There you go. Oh, yeah. That buzzer. <laughs> that one. Um, too many buttons. Um, and that will be time to let go, maybe. Although, as Steve has already admitted, I think, um, on, the, on the video at least, uh, I, I didn't really let it go, did I, last, last week? Go, no. But I just had to get the rest <laughs> of my point out. Um, this is why I host. I have no discipline in my making my points. Um, okay. So, I mean, Steve, would you, uh, would you like to go first? This week, with, with, with the pressure of not making it too short or too long, yes, I would love to go first with your words ringing in my ears. Love you it. can show uh, Rob and Elliot how it's done. I'm not sure about that, but I'll try. Go for it. Okay, it's a slightly niche point, but I just saw it made on Twitter a couple, a few times over the weekend. Of that wouldn't have been given up the other end, and I just, it, it just annoys me, like that mentality of little old Norwich, we never get the decisions. I don't think it's true. I think the reason we get decisions given against us generally is because we're not at the right end of the field most of the time. <laughs> and I think people tend to forget, like, you know, like the Les Malou one was a fairly debatable VAR shout. And it, to be honest, uh, it was an annoying decision. But the more I see it, the more I think it actually was a penalty. I do agree with the two lads. That's all I have to say on the matter, luckily. Well said. Well said. Liked it. Um, right then, Rob Elliott, who wants to uh, who wants to go ahead of the other? Uh, I'm happy to go first. Go on, Rob. Go on, Rob. He's up. Love it. Uh, ready when you are. Cool. So my pet peeve at the moment has been for the last couple of seasons in the Premier League with Norwich is that we're never, bar the last 10 games of the previous season in the Prem, we're never so terrible that I don't want to watch. We are always slightly good enough. We play good enough football that I have a little bit of hope that we will get something from the game. And Every time, invariably, we get nothing. And I'd, sometimes I just think I'd much rather us be terrible 90 minutes, never get anything and never deserve anything. And now I'm hoping that we deserve something every week. Wow, you've talked that up ahead of Saturday, a treat. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> Can't wait for Turf more now. Uh, lovely stuff. Um, Elliot, do I have a go? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, go for it. Right. So my pet peeve, this has been a pet peeve for probably a decade now, I wish that we we as football fans, a collective of football fans, had more creativity with the songs that we make. I, I don't like how, you know, you just sing da-da-da-da, McLean, da-da-da. Let's make a song about him. Let's talk about how he's Scottish. Let's talk about how he came from Aberdeen. Let's talk about the colour of his hair. Let's talk, I don't know, anything. Let's talk about anything to do with the man apart from just his surname. How's that? I mean, it was short, but I'll let you have oh, it. I mean, hey, well, yeah. Did, uh, you prompted me to say you must have an example here of a song that you could sing. That I had a few seasons ago, but not for any of the current players. So, have you ever tried to get any started, Elliot, like in the stands or anything? Um, yeah, but the, the only pe the only 
one that knows the words is Dobby, and he and he sits in the uh, he sits in the in another stand, so I can't quite he can't quite hear me. <laughs> well, I mean this this would reach more Norwich fans right now if you if you did sort of share it. Uh, my, my best one is Stephen, but he's gone. He's gone. It doesn't matter. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll allow it. <laughs> what do you think, Dobby? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, uh, yes. I, mean, I, I, I can't remember the words, so it's going to be just okay. you. Oh, you're backing out. <laughs> That's amazing, by the way. Great, well played, Rob. <laughs> All right, ready? Yes. His name is Marco Steepman, the left foot of a magician. Signed for City on an undisclosed fee. Marco, his <laughs> name is Marco Steepman, made it switch. No, made it switch, look pedestrian. He plays behind the great team of Puki. Oh, my goodness wow. me. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Norwich. Let's get it going. The, the whole Canary Nation is now applauding. I mean, I'm literally heading straight to Paderborn, and I'm going to sing it to him. That's, um, <laughs> Can you change the words well, and put some of that long COVID in there? I don't know. <laughs> Potentially. <laughs> Maybe not. Let's cut our losses. Take it wherever we were. Um, I think, Elliot, you've, you've, you've just become our, our the On the Balls official song laureate. Thank so uh, I think that, um, I'm definitely turning to you now whenever a player needs a song, uh, which I mean, we've got about 23 of them at the moment. So get, get, get writing. I'm a Bama Deli. He's the next one. Ah, oh. get, get, yeah, he is. Now, there He's was, got a great name for it. Yeah, they that's were, scantily, they were right, chanting right. an Omobama Deli song at, at Arsenal and I can't yeah. remember what it was. I can't remember. Yeah, I did hear it a little bit at the cup game, but I can't remember. I, I couldn't remember the tune. Oh, it's got to have details about him, though, right? It's got to yeah, be exactly. about him being young and Irish and playing yeah, centre back. Exactly. So you know, Elliot's standards are pretty high, I think. <laughs> so they should be. So they should be. Isn't everyone grateful for the Emmy Wendia song? Yes. Oh I yeah, what's so, That's the way to do it. So good, villain nicked it. So as well yeah. as the man himself. But let's let's not get too depressed about that either. Um, oh well, well done. That was a that was a roaring success. I think we can. I think we can definitely say that. What was I going to bring up? Um, I think I was just going to bring what just on the I mean, my realization, I'm not going to time myself, by the way, I'm just going to keep it nice and short. My realization uh, at the weekend is that VAR is is never going to be any kind of help in terms of consistency, because literally Alan, as he goes down, is dragging his behind his left, his back leg. He's dragging on the floor before he gets kicked. That was the reason that um, Dermot Gallagher gave for it being the right decision that Cristiano Ronaldo didn't concede it or the penalty against him wasn't given at West Ham because he was looking for contact because he was dragging his leg. So this was exactly the same situation. Yet this, everyone's on, well, yeah, it's penalty. So Norwich is so much the cannon fodder at the moment that even the pundits just can't be bothered to look for the same thing they were looking for the week before. Um, so that was annoying. And and also then Manchester United, uh, Aston Villa's goal at United, which I don't know how a player can be literally touching the goalkeeper in an offside position and not be interfering when you could just be standing in front of him and be I, what what does that even have mean? you have you turned the corner on VAR then Michael are you saying well, it doesn't work because you know it well I'm, I'm I'm well I'm I'm hoping that if someone does something absolutely ridiculously stupid then you know we'd, I'd rather have a system of technology that means that the referee can see it rather than me being able to see it five seconds after the incident in the press box and no one being able to do anything about it I cannot that's just like dumb but uh, I am maybe accepting that across the course of a season, we are just going to get all sorts of manner of decisions that will always come down to the humans. It, it was like the worst two minutes ever, like watching Kabak's foot go into Alan's knee like 50 times. The number of times <laughs> they show that again and again. And, and the more you see it, the more you think, God, it was they're, like, they're going to give this, aren't they? Yeah. You, just, you just knew that it was happening. Like the first time I saw it, I thought, nah, he's already going down. And then by, by like, replay number 27 i was like there's no way that this is not going to be given as a i mean definitely a great overturning of a clear and obvious error from the referee giving a giving a goal kick i think we can <laughs> definitely all agree with that um and i don't know so i only watched the package of highlights but to me it seemed like kenny mclean took that second free kick where he literally just punted it over everyone's head it was such a good position and he dabbed and i think someone just went like the commentator went well that was awful mm -hmm. um and then i think they made the subs and then in in the, the package it was literally another 20 seconds and kenny mcclain had given the ball away in midfield so was that in real time how it all happened uh, like 20 seconds i don't there. think it was that close they were fairly close together weren't they but i was just I a was, bit worried it was they, all in they his sort head. of 
They someone someone in that editing suite didn't like him. I think they did stitch him up a bit with that. It was like there was no need to show that free kick. Really, was there that went into the stands? I don't know why we saw that again. Oh, Kenning. No, I oh no, I know why they showed it because Daniel Farker went absolutely livid in the dugout, and so they had to show what why he was livid to show him livid because that was quite yeah amusing. amusing. <laughs> Bless him. Um, well, I think we've mopped that all up. I've, I've, I've spoken too too much again, as always. So in that case, we'll, we'll call that halftime, um, which is, it means it's time for our halftime sting. Officially the most unnecessary sting. But I just kind of like the music. So that's why we played it. Um, also, uh, now I've got all the other stings sorted out. It doesn't really allow me any time to play the uh, centerfold sting. <laughs> or does it? Let's go for it. I mean, anyone would think the football's been so bad that I now need to just play loads of musical clips to amuse myself. But that wouldn't be true. And that would be very harsh. So this is centerfold. Um there was another game. I mean, we have to make the most of the football matches because now we're in the Premier League and there's only going to be one a week. And, you know, how, whatever the result is, there's going to be a lot of talk about it for a whole week. Um, but we did have a two-game week, which was nice, albeit Norwich losing 3-0. Was it 3-0? I hope to Liverpool in the end. In yep. the Carabao Cup. Yeah, thanks. Good. It feels like a long time ago, that. Um, which, you know, was, was what it was, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, and... I'm not even sure this was so much of a big deal either in terms of uh, Christos Jolis uh, being determined to take the penalty, no one really being robust enough to physically remove the ball from his arms before he then was actually a little bit unlucky to see it saved. I mean, if he scores, I don't know if anyone really cares, to be honest, but such is life. Um, So I I don't really see the whole thing as necessarily a big issue. It does seem to have been sorted out now. Christos came on at at Everton, um, albeit then Norwich conceded the second, but that that wasn't his fault. Um, You know, he's going to take the whole squad out for a Greek meal to apologise because Adamida should have taken the penalty. Although he looks like a man who's a bit short of confidence, he said politely at the moment as well. Um, But it did did strike me, um, Rob, how how Daniel Farker kind of did, did make quite a strong point of it post-match against Liverpool when there was already obviously a lot going on and Daniel's got a lot to manage himself at the moment. So what did you make of that? Did you, it, Was it kind of in keeping with, with how Daniel Farker has managed people who have gone against the plan or, or was there a little bit of pressure in there, do you think? I feel that it was probably symptomatic of the situation that we're in, having no points after, well, four games uh was it four or five then um anyway having still no, no points no, no <laughs> points at any point um and I, I feel that if we'd gotten something from any, any of those first few games we weren't being dismissed as a force in every single aspect already he would have been slightly more lenient or less public with his displeasure um i don't i think that Zolis played in such a way that he I, I liked how he took the ball to be honest um I don't I agree Ida looks pretty um yeah off, off the pace basically at the moment um and Zolis was energetic he wanted the ball all the time he might you know his end product might be a bit lacking sometimes but I would rather a young player who's trying to prove himself he's our record signing or you know top two um, I'd rather he he tries that and has that mindset to prove himself to be the best. And you know what? People miss penalties. Bruno Fernandes skied one at the weekend, and he's still probably one of the best penalty takers in the world. Um, so yeah, I think it was probably situational. The reaction more than anything. I I don't think it was too big a deal. Um, and I just think it builds on my pet peeve of being just good enough to <laughs> that, that, that game was it personified where we we were just good enough in an attacking way as well to keep me interested and think we could get something um it, it was a weird game i mean i watched it back into the early hours while i was writing bits and bobs um now so maybe i was only half concentrating steve but it didn't seem as bad as it was 
on the first viewing, which again probably taps into the Everton game as well. Norwich are basically better if you know they've lost and you're just trying to see how they play. <laughs> so maybe maybe there's an element of that. I mean, it probably does make. I mean, you, you have to appreciate that's what coaches and and all the staff are doing. They're analysing things in that kind of framework, which which can be quite tricky because I, I know what it's like watching them in real life as well. I'm even though I'm obviously sat impartially in the press box, you know, you're fully engrossed in what's going on and. You, you lose you lose it if someone's not tracking back or there's a massive gap in the middle somewhere or someone just doesn't spot a pass so it's it's always curious sort of watching that game and and in that but again I mean Liverpool felt that they had plenty of gears to go through anyway but but Christos was one of the one of the shining lights until he missed, missed the penalty I thought yeah he was good I mean um bravo to you for having the stamina to watch that back again and, and bravo to Rob for believing that we could still get something from it because I thought that was one of the most tedious games I've seen as play to be honest. I mean I missed the first I, I actually had to watch on TV I missed the first 20 minutes half an hour so um, obviously already 1-0 down kind of rally but as soon as that second goal went in I'd sort of thought that's that then um, it's impre- impressive that you thought it was that tedious having not seen the first 20 minutes yeah, I have yeah, to say because that was pretty well, the first felt, 20 minutes were wretched <laughs> anyway. it felt like a, it felt like 90 minutes but I, I didn't actually watch 90 minutes it just felt that long um, <laughs> I thought the whole Jollis thing was a bit of a storm in a teacup to be honest you know I, I, I'm sure that we sat here a year ago and we you know when well I know we talked about the way that Farker dealt with Todd Campbell and Emmy Buendia at that point and we were saying will it work won't it um I mean quite clearly it did work and I think if there's a debate to be had over his man management it it, it sort of it feels a little bit like we're kicking him when he's down on that one really I I, I kind of think he's done the same thing with Nelson Oliveira he's done the same thing with other players and you know the fans have kind of accepted it and there's always been this whole mantra of well if you don't like it you don't belong here now obviously that we're not going to say that about our 10 million pound signing but I, I think I think there has to be a case if you can't just have it when the times are good that that we accept that that's the way Farker is um you know I, I, I felt that there was a bit of an overreaction to that and it's up to the player to react in the right way should he have stolen the ball maybe not uh, uh, as you said Michael if that penalty goes in it's not even a discussion it's just it happens to be a bad penalty. I'm sure it probably happens quite often and we just don't hear about it. But it, because it missed, it became an issue. I think even Andros Townsend said that when he when he thought VAR were reviewing the penalty incident, he, he did, went yeah. to go and get the ball <laughs> because he didn't want, I can't remember who he said, but someone obviously else mm. fancied it. I mean, whether Andros was on penalties or not, I don't know. But uh, I, I'm inclined to agree with you. And I suppose the interesting thing, Elliot, is that... Um, that 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 managing of the players, I think Daniel Farker has been here for four years. He's done he's done a very good job of it because he's managed to generally create teams of, with good spirit who 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 play well and and seem to like each other even if they're not very good. I, I didn't really get the impression that no one liked each other two years ago when when Norwich were relegated. Um, but at the moment, he's got a kind of a different issue because he's got to he's got to kind of generate some confidence in the team. I don't know how how you see it, but that. They do need to show a greater resilience, really. I suppose, and 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 fight and and desire. Is it? I just, I, I feel like it's all a little bit um, down to sort of two out of five, and and someone needs to turn them up. And whether that means someone then immediately goes and two footed and gets sent off because they've been overly pumped, I don't know. But and maybe Burnley's not the time to do it. But I don't know if it feels feels like they they they. I don't know how you how do you generate confidence? I suppose is is the great question. I, th- I I don't think it just comes from Farker either. I think that you know there has to be a, there has to be that leadership on the pitch. That's why I think Mc, it's important that McLean gets a lot of minutes because he is a leader on the pitch. I know he doesn't wear the armband, but he is an important he, to to get the players going. You know to make them you know believe that they should be there. I think Hanley needs to needs to up his confidence a bit. You know he's club captain in the championship. He's fantastic brilliant leader but in the in the in the Premier League I think that I, I just feel like I even, even the last time we were in the Premier League the first game we went to Anfield I immediately thought Hanley like I just he, he just didn't fill me with confidence that he believed he was supposed to be there um, players like Gibson he, you know the, the, these lads need to be, need to become leaders if that confidence is going to be instilled in the younger players um, at, even Max, Max Aarons now you know he's played well over 100 professional games, I think he should, you know, he should be taking responsibility um, and trying and trying to get the players going. Um, 
uh, obviously going back to the point about the loan players, I think it's not going to come from them. It's going to come from the from the players who've been up and down. Um, and this is now their opportunity to shine at this level. You know, Wendia has has got his move. Cantwell is an, is another one who needs to you know show this show show the Premier League that this they are they are ready to play at this level because at the minute they're not showing it. It's a really interesting point. I mean, Daniel Farker did have to ask one or two questions about psychology. I think most managers like to think that they can they can do the psychology them themselves. Uh, is it a spark? Because <laughs> they obviously need the spark, Rob, don't they? But then to, to generate that with in amongst the team, but also something that's sustainable as well. Yeah, I something which is struck me from the last few games, particularly the Watford game, was that we we play nice football. We've always done that, probably probably a bit less this season than at the same point two years ago. Um, but we were getting outplayed, outclassed by a midfield three of Tom Cleverley, Musa Sissoko, and is it Kuska? Kuska? Kuska. Yeah. Um, who are unspectacular footballers I would describe and probably don't play as pretty footballers some of our players can play but they do it more effectively than what we've been doing so far and part of me thinks can we you know surely our very technical players can revert to being solid positionally if unspectacular but effective get some points and then we'll build from there rather than hold out for our one in X amount of games, which will, this style of play will work and we'll get a great result. You know, at the end of the day, at the end of the day beating Man City two years ago was the best game I've ever been to, but we got relegated comfortably. Um, and it evidently didn't give us that much confidence <laughs> in, terms of, <laughs> in terms of sustainability, as you were mentioning. It's not a sustainable way of staying in the Premier League. Um, it seems like to us. So if something needs to change in, in sort of ambitions in the terms of how expansive we are in, in our play and if Farker wants to do that, that's another question. But I I guess the question is, okay, it feels like the elephant in the room. Can Farker do that? Can we be that team under Daniel Farker? I mean, to me, it's so frustrating and it's so frustrating every single time we go up watching the teams that go up with us seemingly outperform us when we've been better than them in the Championship. And I look at Brentford this year and it looks like they were made for the Premier League. And I think, well, how can that possibly be given that we finished so far clearer than last year? Um, and I don't think it's an unreasonable question to ask, is Farker ever going to be good enough for the Premier League level? Now, we know he's good enough for the Championship. And is that good enough for us long term? I I don't know. I don't know. But it does feel like, as you alluded to at the start of the, of the pod, Rob, we kind of go around in these 12-month cycles. And, um, yeah, I don't know where it leaves us long-term, but I, I'm, I'm not sure he is the manager to set us up in that way if that's what we really do need. It was, yeah, uh, yeah I think watching Brent... So, I mean, Brentford have drawn 3-3 at home to Liverpool. So, thereby throwing a massive dart at all this. Wow, it was a very tough start, wasn't it? Um and there was in the um, the watching back of, of the highlights. Uh, I think Match of the Day did a good breakdown of how how Brentford were a crossing the ball, something Norwich have never really done under Varka, and b overloading the, the the far post with with their fullbacks, what have you. I think they had sort of four or five players in the box every time they were sending the ball into mm. there, which probably gives you a decent platform. Um, not really sure what Norwich's attacking platform is at the moment, but I'm sure they're working on it. Just something quickly on that, on the the tough start that we've had. I'm pretty sure, obviously Liverpool aside, the the other five teams that we've played, we've all we've played them all off the back of a defeat for them. So it's not as if any of them have been coming to us on any sort of form. So I do, I mean, obviously we can't expect to go to Man City and get anything, but I do sort of feel like this. Oh, we've had a difficult start is a little bit of a, a myth, really. Well, every press conference it gets brought up, but um, all, all I'll add into that is they were also Norwich won five games last season. They've played the corresponding fixture of two of those five wins already in the Leicester home win and mm. now Everton away. So best crack on. Um, and of course, Norwich followed up their three two incredible. I completely agree with you, Rob. Um, victory against Manchester City at Carrow. 
with a 2-0 thrashing at Burnley, <laughs> where they were completely bullied off the park, which uh, brings us on very nicely to this. This is almost fantasy football. Yes, it's, uh, this show is not put together by accident, I can assure you. Um, uh, time to look ahead, paint the picture of what we're expecting over the coming days, which is a trip to Burnley to um, Turf Moor on Saturday. How exciting. Um, I already know that my, uh, my athletic colleague, Andy Jones, has been on to his editor saying, it's a must-win game for Burnley on Saturday, must-win game for Burnley on Saturday, which is absolutely how, how they'll be viewing it. Um, I think we... Are we, are we calling it must-win? We've already called one game must-win. Is this must-win? Let's go around the table. Elliot, is this a must-win game for Norwich on Saturday? No. no. Okay. He's finding 10 wins from elsewhere. Good. Steve? Um, I think it might it might be for Farker. I'm not, I don't think he'll go after the game, but I do I do yeah. worry if we, if we don't get anything from it. I, I genuinely do worry for him. Like, where do we go from there after... Seven straight defeats in the Premier League season, but not not it won't be terminal for our season. Not yet. It can't be. It just feels important at this moment. I mean, mathematically, it cannot be. You're exactly Correct. right, Steve. <laughs> mathematically, uh, Rob. I think we need four points from the next two games. Okay. Um, so it's not must win. Go on, say it. But it's must not lose. Yes. <laughs> that was my bingo. That was my bingo. You've yeah. nailed it. Thank you, Rob, for that. I was I was beginning to lose faith that no one would say it. What um, do you think, Michael? Is it must win? Oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm not in the headspace to think about answering questions, but thank you for throwing one at me. Yeah, I think um, I think the problem I have is that if they lose at Burnley, Burnley get their first win of the season. It is literally what 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 happens next. Where where do you go? Where, how hard is it to start picking out where you are going to get? The points from and it's not like they're all going to be sat at Colney for two weeks to prepare for Brighton at home they're all going to be off on international duty and then he's going to have two days probably before that game to work on it so really really difficult um I worry about the mentality and the mindset at the moment I, I'm not I'm not even counting whether they're good enough players or not because I just think between the years they they're they're so fragile and just give away a mistake, and they give you they give opposition a chance of that. Um, but there were there were some. Prom- <laughs> I'm basically just fighting with my head and my heart because my heart says, you know what? There were some promising signs. If they can work the ball well, they could move Burnley around and really dig in. And then someone finds a shot from somewhere, and it's just one of those performances where it's like, yes, this is the foothold. And Burnley aren't great, to be honest. Um, and then my head says, yeah, but they'll go, they'll play nice football and then they'll concede to a corner and then they'll concede to a free kick and it'll finish 2-0 and everyone will trudge off and go, well, at least we've got an international break. We'll get our heads off together. And when we've got a home game against Brighton. So, well, yeah, that's this, my this internal is, dialogue just spilled out on the podcast for you all. This this is where I do feel slightly more optimistic. Um, and also it should Good. be said, for all my doom mongering, if we win on Saturday, we're not even bottom of the league. So so it hasn't been that disastrous. But I do actually think the way that we played on Saturday does line up quite well against Burnley, who I think have scored five goals a season. Four of them have been from set pieces in 100%. the league. Yeah. So Good we know where the threat is. And we've already got three centre-backs on the pitch. Sargent will probably play. I mean, we're not great at defending set pieces, but I do think we may have the personnel there now in order to do that. And we may have... I I would be amazed if we change from three at the back. I feel like that is made for that game. And we don't necessarily need to carry a massive attacking threat, but we just need to take the chances that, you know, if we if any chances come our way, we need to take them. It, it, it's not unthinkable. I mean, we've seen this play but before with away games in the Premier League. We do kind of know the way it goes. I wouldn't be amazed if we get something from there. We could even win, but I don't know what makes me think that beyond blind optimism. We could even win a game of football. That's what I love. Well, I did get asked the question, um, what would be my 11 for the game on on Saturday? We don't normally have this chat, but I thought I'd rattle through it. I don't know if you guys want to pick your 11s, but um, I'm sticking with, I would stick with the same, uh, well, I guess, well, no, I've changed it actually. I've gone with a 5-2-3 formation because obviously I'm a, you know, a deep football tactician. So I, I know exactly what the strengths and weaknesses are of that, but I'm going for it anyway. Uh, I've got Tim Krul in goal. You'll all be delighted to know. I've then got a, a five um, of Aaron's, Quebec, Hanley, Gibson, Williams. I'm only sticking Williams in because I just worry if it was Yanulis, he'd just get elbowed in the chest and then that would be that by some towering Burnley, any Burnley player really could be anyone. Um, 
and then Norman and uh, Pierre holding with uh, a three of Sergeant Pookie and Rashita with Jolis, you know, literally warming up after five minutes to make sure Milot knows he can't just sort of piddle around all afternoon. So um, there you go. Who wants to, who wants to th- go on Elliot? Do you want to throw in an 11? Yeah. Um, I, I think five of the back would be good. I'd put in Omar Bamadeli for um, Kab- Kabak. Ooh. I just think, yeah, I, I just think he's looked clumsy. The like the two games I've seen him play, is that because oh, you got a chant ready to go? Is no, that- <laughs> it definitely is. He's going to be. He's going to be. I think he's going to be quality going forward. I think he's going to be great. Um, I like to see him in. I, um, left left wing back. I get. I get Janoulis in for Williams. I think. Um, I I quite like your five two three actually, Michael, with the two holding. I'd put Gilmore in there definitely. Gilmore and Norman probably. And I thought Sargent played when he played what in the first half against Watford when he played on the right hand side. I thought he looked very good actually. I thought he looked he, he had some decent touches, turned on the ball quite well. And I don't mind that wide player playing slight, especially with a wing back. Especially uh, don't mind that wide player playing a little bit cl- further inside, closer to Pookie for a bit of link up play. I think that could could work quite well. Um, but then, obviously, you've got the um, either Solis or Rosita. I'd probably go Solis. Throw him in. He's going to be worth 100 mil in a few years, so get him in early. <laughs> I love that. Build him up. I mean, I'm assuming that Burnley don't really bother with their midfield, so that's why I'm, I'm not playing one, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, Rob, go. We'll come to you last, Steve. You can have that. You can then give us the proper answer. Um, very, very similar. I'm on the fence between Janulis and Williams. I don't think Williams has been great. In general, I thought he played well against Arsenal for 60 minutes or so, 60, 70 minutes. Um, but against Watford, I thought he was pretty suspect. Um, but I'm also thinking I would kind of want his tenacity against the sort of Burnley wingers or whatever, hmm. whatever, whoever they have on that side of the pitch. Um so yeah, kind of a toss up between them. I would definitely, I, I really think Sergeant against Burnley will be a vital um, sort of cog um, purely because I, I love his physicality. I thought, yeah, he, he was brilliant um, against Burnley. I would also go for Zollis as well. Oh, sorry, not against Watford. Um, I would also go for Zollis. Um, I one thing that Rashika or Rasika has not been for me is. I don't think I think he'll get bullied basically. Um he seems quite slight. Um and I don't think we can afford to have that against some of the Burnley defenders. I think Zollis will put himself about a bit more. Um hopefully get them a bit, you know, on their toes or keep them on their toes, a bit riled up. Um he seems like he's got that about him. And I think he's just he'll be keen to prove himself again after after midweek. Good. I like that logic. Well, I wouldn't necessarily argue with you there. How about then, Steve? What are you, what um, are you yeah, kind of a mixture of what the what the guys have said. To be honest, I, I think I'd throw Demi in for Brandon Williams. I thought Williams had a really shocking first forty-five. Actually, it got better, but he, he really didn't play well on Saturday. I do get the the point about him being big and bigger and stronger, but I also think Elliot's absolutely spot on in terms of our attacking threat. I think Demi being left-footed, and I, I reckon he'd be good actually at wing back. So I'd, I'd throw him in. Um, I love Kenny, but I just think he needs to come out. I think he'll get another chance this season, but he's just making mistakes. So mm. I'd put Gilmore in for Kenny, but I'd keep the system the same. Um, I think that there's been a lot of talk in the comments about players about Campwell and Dowell and why they're being underused. I don't think it's the game for them on Saturday, but I think if we lose again on Saturday, then we'll see one or maybe even both of them against Brighton. But... Um, I wouldn't change it a great deal. I, I did see signs that of the way we played against Everton that we could match up. Well, it's the only way we can play against Burnley. So I think I think we sort of have to go with the bigger, stronger players. He says throwing Gilmore in. There's some other <laughs> I know. Loves a tackle though. Loves a tackle. Uh, yeah, I mean it's fair to say um, Todd has been missing the last two games with family issues, so he hasn't been available. Well, which is why we haven't seen him. Um, it would be nice to think that that might be different come this weekend, but I genuinely don't know the answer to that. And uh, Dow, yeah, I don't know about that. That's uh, clearly a selection issue. Uh, yeah, it felt like he didn't quite do enough maybe against Arsenal. I, th- I thought Jolis was good against Arsenal and Dow did a, one or two nice things, but that was a bit of an opportunity for him. And I'm sure he'll be gutted that he didn't come on 
or didn't get to feature against uh, Everton for sure. So um, just a couple of quick messages if I can. Uh, Andy Wilcox um, says, we can't defend set pieces, fellas. Chris Wood will be licking his lips. Which, he, um, he has an excellent record against us as well. I'm sure there's nothing that people don't know, but he, he always scores against Norwich, whether for Burnley, Leeds, I think maybe Leicester as well. So yep, <laughs> I want to talk about it. Flooding, flinging it, flooding back, Steve. Um, Al Dez says uh, this time Pookie rests Rashitsa Sergeant duo on a three-five-two. Give it a try. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're Daniel Farker's last words in the dressing room before he sends them out. <laughs> um, I mean, those two have, of course, played together um, at uh, Werder Bremen. So, what's the worst that could happen? Hey, Who knows? I don't hate that. I don't well, hate that. when they were at Bremen. When, when they were at Bremen. What's that? <laughs> what happened when they were there? Uh, you know they they they, they fought hard. yeah they they well, fought they really they, <laughs> i think that's pretty much it well um i think now we've ascertained that you know norwich can't afford to lose on saturday we know what they're going to play uh i think we just really kick back press play and see how the match unfolds which um, will of course be a 3-1 norwich win and we'll all be in a much happier place come the weekend. I mean, I, I, I'm just saying this stuff. I did, you know, I, I don't really believe it. But we'll see what we get. That's the important thing. We'll see what we get, and we'll be excited for it. Uh, I, for one, cannot wait to go to Turf Moor. I know that. Um, but I think uh, that is it for the 81st edition of On the Ball, the Norwich City podcast that will take Sean Dyche coat for Saturday. Uh, if you're not yet to do so, make sure you subscribe via your podcast player of choice. The pod is available free for everyone on your usual podcast player and we are now streaming the recording as you know if you're watching um live uh, on in video on my social media channels so just search michael bailey the athletic norwich city and your preferred social media platform and all being well it will show up um Ratings and reviews wherever prompted are always hugely appreciated. And if you want to get in touch with any questions or topic proposals, sling me a direct message on Twitter at Michael J. Bailey is the handle. And um, I've got a few already. There's a, there's a few we need to work through. So maybe we'll save that for a, for a podcast at some point. Um, but for now, a big thank you to our guest tonight. Steve, thank you so much for your company. Thank you, Michael. Pleasure as always. Oh, as always. Um, Elliot and Rob, what a top duo. Did you enjoy it? Loved it. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. Yeah, it was You're great fun. Thanks for, thanks for the opportunity. Well, absolute stars. Gents, we'll do it again. Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Um, and I think that's it then. We'll be back next week for uh, loads more Canaries comedy capers, as I'm calling it, in another On The Ball Norwich City podcast. Until then, never mind the danger. And we're clear. How about that? Steve, Rob, Elliot, all you Twitterkers out there, welcome. If any of you have stumbled across this wits end for the first time and are wondering what's going on and why the podcast hasn't actually ended, listen to On The Ball podcast number 42, which went live on September the 8th, 2020. Steve, it's all explained there. We're over a year old now here at Wits End. Did we did we celebrate the first birthday? I don't remember doing that. I, no, I, th- I I think I I don't think you were on. I think I read it out and went, "Oh, it's a year." I think that was that was yeah. it. Really. If I wasn't there, was it really a celebration? You know, it's, well, it's sort of, you know, that must mean this is then. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, happy birthday. <laughs> it's exciting. Now, um, you can email this bonus part of the podcast directly because this is uh, wit's end, and you can do that um, by. Uh, he says quickly, quickly, um, emailing us at Twitterkers, which is Twitter, K E R S, at iCloud.com, Twitterkers at iCloud.com, or use the hashtag Twitterkers on Twitter. Just don't explain what it refers to because this is a secret club for only those who discover it, of course. Uh, and you can also visit the Twitterkers website, which is twitterkers.co.uk, uh, which um, Charlie out there in the big wide world although also in Norwich, I think, has uh, lovingly put together a special new version for 2021-22. So have a, have a look on that. There's a few nice things on there, and hopefully uh, we'll be adding to those over the course of the season. Uh, now, um, 
we did touch on superstitions, I think, last week, which are sort of the nice things that happen when you follow Norwich and then it affects what you do like the next day. You may decide, you know what, I'm going to go and buy a bottle of Wherry because Norwich won or I'm going to... Well, let me give you an example uh, because one example was from um, Amarillo Army on Twitter. He said, I would still wear my Buendia shirt the day after he scored for Argentina. Oh, so... Yeah. Has he scored for Argentina yet? Oh, has he played for Argentina? Oh, no, he would. No, sorry. Let, let me read. I'm, I'm, it's been a long day. He would still wear his Buendia shirt the day after he scores for Argentina. Obviously, that just hasn't happened yet. But I wonder if Amarillo would have worn his Buendia shirt you know, the day after he scored for Norwich. Maybe when he scores for Villa, he might still wear the... No, that would be pushing it, wouldn't it? I think that would be pushing it. I bought a Buendia shirt at the, at, the end, at the end of last season uh, when they were reduced down to £20. And a week oh, later, yeah. he got sold. So uh, I've never got to wear it. Yeah, yeah, I, I, something you didn't, I think. I'm <laughs> assuming you entered into that agreement or contract knowing that that was likely to happen. I, I really, really thought he would stay, honestly. Oh, oh, I couldn't you. believe oh, it. Wow. I, I wish I knew you then. I could have put you <laughs> <in>. <laughs> Um But, well, you know, that's still nice. I mean, maybe when Norwich play, play Villa, you could hunt him down and get him to sign it. Yeah. Well, to be fair, there was a West Ham fan wearing a Lingard shirt when he scored against him the other day, didn't they? So... Amazing, yeah. Was was he celebrating? <laughs> oh dear, I, that's this is actually this is a good one. Where shirts? I mean, we might have done this one before. I can't remember, but where shirts go bad or go wrong? Because I mean, I had a terrible run when I was in the Barclay. I had to film my Ryan on the back of my shirt. He broke his leg. I had Craig Bellamy on the back of my shirt. He got done in pre-season, so he missed the whole season. And then got sold as soon as he basically came back to Coventry. Um, I Alex literally Coleman. stopped. Alex Notman, I didn't fortunately bless no. Alex. Um, I didn't have his name on the back of my shirt. Uh, I think as soon as I put Neil Adams on the back of my shirt, once he missed a penalty, there's some um, kind of hex you've got over there. Yeah, no, it was literally. It was like I'm going to have to stop putting names on the back of my shirt. They, <laughs> yeah. they keep get, keep going wrong. I'm doing I'm doing the players a disservice. Chris Llewellyn, I think he 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 sort of lost his form, and then he thought when I told him that I thought he was a good player, he thought I was joking at him because. <laughs> Everyone's getting loads of sticks for all the fans. Uh, Ray Ward, obviously my famous Ray Ward shirt. I mean, he wasn't quite what was billed. Um, yeah, there's a whole litany. I've got a whole collection of Norwich shirts with players' names on it, whatever. Keith O'Neill, great player, never fit. Do you want to get a Chris Wood Burnley top during the week? <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is a good idea. Yeah, or that if there's any any like high earners who we just need to shift, perhaps you could yeah. get that name and they'll just they'll just they'll just get lost. I feel like Elliot's Elliot must be a shirt shirt name guy as a as a as a proud Norwich City shirt where he must have had some names on the back of your shirts. Yeah, it's something I've only I've only started in the last couple of years, but I def I'm going to be similar to my commentary. I'm just going to get a different player every year, just ch change it up a bit and get. But I, I like getting players that no one else is going to going to have. I don't know why I got one. <laughs> How much did no, it cost no. to get on a Bamadeli? That's what I want to know. That's a lot of letters. I was absolutely skinned after I got this, honestly. They, <laughs> they ran out of O's in the shop. <laughs> <laughs> they, 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 ran out of, um, they ran out of A's and, and well, you couldn't get Buendia at the end of last season. I remember that much. But yeah, I mean, it's like seven, £7.50 for a number and probably about £2.50 for a letter. So on a Bamadeli, 44 it's probably oh, the, the same shirt, price though. as the shirt. Yeah. I, had, <laughs> so, I had season ticket discounts, to be fair, so that saved me a bit. Good. That saved you a couple of quid. Good. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm now sorry. I'm sorry if I'm a bit distracted. I'm now having a horrible. So, two two other ones on my shirt. Odyssey. Um, I when I went to scout Ricky Van Wilswinkle when he was at Lisbon, you know, ahead of his move, I obviously came back with a Ricky shirt, a Ricky sporting shirt. So I, maybe I played a part in that. I don't know. But lots of people had Ricky shirts, didn't they? So it's all their fault, yeah. really. Everyone's fault. And even the, you know, the club. Everyone, everyone was at fault for that one. But now I'm thinking, I went to obviously do my wonderful, uh, in terms of I really enjoyed it, uh, feature on Temu Puki in Finland. And when I was at the Finnish FA, I was like, well, I'm going to have to buy a Puki Finland shirt. So I got that number 10 Puki on the back. Um, but they they uh, they they sold out or something, so they couldn't deliver it. And I'm now wondering when they delivered it because if they delivered it like mid September of 2020, like Tamu's record, you know, but, well, I don't know. We did have yeah, last season. Maybe I'm overthinking it now. Was that the start of his drought? I just oh, don't no, want no. to have ruined his career as well. Yeah. I don't yeah. think I've ruined his career. Rob, oh. how are you for shirts? You've got three shirts in the background yet, but have they got yeah. your names on the back? 
No, well, funny, they don't have any names on the back. They've got all the season ticket holders' names on. Oh, um, yeah. Yes, the, that's uh, that one, isn't it? Are we, are we all on there? Have you have you have you looked for your for your name on the centenary shirt? I found you. I found you and your dad. Yeah, I'm, I've I found yeah. I've seen. seen um, you know where you are? Like whereabouts? Is it not uh, like on the bottom at the back or something? Yeah. <laughs> no, I think I'm on. The, I think I'm on actually, I, I can't. I wouldn't like to guess. I think I'm on the front left, sort of like down here. Like I wouldn't like to guess, but I think yeah. I'm exactly round about here. <laughs> <laughs> I've just drawn a big circle on it on my. Right hand. <laughs> Um, I think I'm on the blue one somewhere. I don't think I'm on the other one. But... Is that the that's the centenary one? Is that right? Yeah. The white and blue one. Am I right? Uh, yeah, that's the blue one's the centenary one. The uh, yellow one is 2007-8, and then the red one's also centenary. Nice. I wonder how many uh, Norwich City fans listening to this podcast know that Norwich's first kit was blue and white. I wonder. All Maybe all of them. Maybe all of them. Yeah. Um. What else? Could say? Oh, there was one more picture I had um, in terms of uh, Callum, who's obviously a long-term listener, friend of the show, uh, Twitterker. Um, uh, he tweeted a picture of um, a hot air balloon and made the rather funny joke that it was Liverpool arriving for their Carabao Cup game via balloon. But I guess they probably floated away after the ease of their win. So, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, at this point, I think next week I will bring in the full list of Norwich City star sign puns because I'm really keen to take this on. I, I, <laughs> I don't know why. I don't think anyone else is. But I feel I like we've exhausted all the bad ones. If there's any good ones out there, then bravo, because I can't think of any. I now I've, I've gone. I've gone. Someone sent me one, and it was it was a Mario Mario Vrancic, I think, but I. Virgo, no, I can't think of what it was. So, let me, oh, it's Virgo, Virgo and marriage. Yeah, who sent me that? You seen it? Was that last week? I've seen it. Yeah, yeah. As I said, obscure player, obscure link. I mean, that was right. So, Virgo and marriage. Hey, headwriter's dream life. though. You could, you could love, and, love and marriage. There was all sorts of stuff you could do with that. Marriage sure. ends in divorce. I don't know. Lots sorts of, and he he came from Barcelona. B, but you yeah. know. Barcelona B is basically today's Barcelona, isn't it? So it's fine. <laughs> um, um, Elliot, I think Elliot's got a possible suggestion. Uh, jo- Josh S- Sagittarius. No. Oh, yes. no, that's beautiful. <laughs> hey, Brilliant. You, Josh if you've heard what's come before, Elliot, that's a good one. Uh, <laughs> is that better than Gemini Goss? That's the question. I think it's, it's not far off, is it? It's pretty <laughs> close. People decide. Dave in the comments has said uh, Leon McKenzie. Yeah, that was one of last week's. And, yeah, and uh, we had it, so right. we have had it, but if you've come up with that originally, that's also fine. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Wesley on Julio Han. Wesley on Julio Han. How many can you get in one name? Yeah, I feel like we're um, being ourselves now. Yeah, just sorry, can I, can I just, uh, because people may have noticed that, and we still haven't got to the bottom of this, that Elliot was calling Rob Dobby. Dobby. So, I mean, I, I, there's a, there's got to be a story here. I, I I don't think Rob looks like a like a house elf. So I <laughs> kind of you. Um, <laughs> so uh, I think basically a one time I must have done because I've been called it since I was I've been called it since I was six years old, um, year two, um, and it kind of coincided when Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets came out on film, which was when Dobby made his his first appearance and. <laughs> I don't know. I basically it stuck. I have no idea why. If I had a pound for every time someone in my life asked me why you called Dobby, I'd be a I'd be a rich man. Um, <laughs> what you told me is that is that Dobby the house elf was cool, and year two Rob Fletcher was cool also, and put, people put two and two together and called you Dobby. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the. It's, it's either that or you had massive ears and wore a pillowcase to school. <laughs> I was definitely going for the pillowcase. I, yeah. admit, I was waiting for that one to come out. There'd have been a picture somewhere, I, I figured. But um, oh, what a pleasure! Well, it's um, last up then, I suppose. Kenny, other business? Kenny, other any? Kenny, other business? Anyone? I would just I'm say, sure. can't wait for a, a, a extra, extra hoping for a good result at the weekend because an international break is so long, and to go in. Having lost every single game would have been oh, horrible. Or you've, or you've got to think like a few years ago, Palace lost the first seven games and they stayed up, didn't they? So yeah, that's, that's that's why it's not must win. You know, they still stayed up. 
Maybe must not lose. Maybe must not lose. Yeah, but um, I think we'll win. I honestly think we'll do it this weekend. We'll turn it around. I'm good. I think two 0 Get Roy Hodgson in. That's what we need. Wow. Get, get Roy on the blower. I wouldn't mind that. <laughs> um, it reminded me that we did. Um, I did a, the Friday afternoon spaces that I do with Hodgy on Twitter, which was fun, and um, I ended up going off on a bit of a rant about how actually right now. Forget all this, oh, we're all feeling a bit sorry for ourselves. And almost what Daniel Farker came up with before the Watford game, because let's be honest, he probably didn't really pitch it very well. But actually, at this point, this is such a phenomenal challenge waiting for Norwich City. Like, if they can if they can get their heads around what is awaiting them and just get over themselves and, and, and find the real deep inner belief and, and work on a way of building into a game and not giving away stupid bits and bobs and whatever, yeah, th- to turn it around from here... What an achievement that would be. It would be, it would be, for Daniel Farker, it would top everything he's done so far. For this group of players, you'd be like, wow, fair play. There's so much potential to create something so special this season from the absolute pits of depths of hell. It would be absolutely wonderful. Um, and I say what that as someone who be, literally, well. what's that? What an atmosphere in Carrow Road that would be as well if we were to turn it around. That would be exactly, amazing. exactly. And I, I say that as someone who literally can't see where the next point's coming. So, you know, it's like, what oh, more can we do? Okay, that was, so that was like a great battle cry. And then you said, I can't see where the next point's coming from. You sort <laughs> yeah. of, you know, prick the balloon there. I was, I, was, I'm, um, I was with you all the way up until that moment. I was ready to go into, into battle over the trench with you, Michael. I loved yeah. it. But then we both stood there and went, mm. Are we actually going to do it? Probably not. <laughs> maybe that. Maybe maybe the belief is our. It's our issue. The belief is our issue, Steve. Maybe it's no one else's but ours. Uh, on that wonderful note, um, I think we're going to crack on um, and say goodnight. Uh, but what a wonderful uh, joy that was! Um, I'll leave us all to say goodbye because that's probably we've already done it once. So we might as well do it again. So if I can ask everyone on three to say goodbye collectively, that'd be wonderful. So one, two, three. Bye. Bye. There we go. See you all later.